today I wanted to pause, pray, and look to God's word about how we need to face tomorrow, how we need to trust God. Our history goes back to 1861 when a preacher named Reverend M.R. Watkins wrote a letter to the government officials. And the Civil War was going on. He was very burdened about what was happening in the, in the excuse me, I have to take a drink. Amazing how I do the service before and I pour my heart into it and I'm like, God, give me the voice to be able to preach the second one because I don't want to hold back in either one of them. But God uh, brought me through it. His goal was to challenge them during that time because they were in the middle of the Civil War. And he's like, hey, we're in trouble sometimes. People need to put their attention on God. And, and so the result, Secretary Chase instructed James Pollock, who was the director of the Mint of Philadelphia, and they were getting ready to print the new coin. And the motto had to be put on, and he said, let's, let's put something about God in this. So November 20th, 1861, he wrote these words. Listen how powerful these are. Dear sir, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God. Or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people and God should be declared on our nation's coin. So the conversations led as they began to formulate that. And it came out to, in God we trust, began to be put on the two-cent coin. Something we don't even use today. It wasn't until 1956, all those years later, that it became the national motto of the United States of America. Now, I know what everybody's thinking. You're sitting there thinking, our nation does not view God as in God we trust. I mean, just being honest, as a whole, I I don't hear people going through the stores in God we trust. I'm talking to you guys right now. I'm talking to believers talking about those that might come here that is not even a believer, but enough that God calls you to tune in and listen. We have the Bible, and God, the Bible teaches us very clear of who we put our confidence in. And it might not be lived out by the world, and it might not be lived out by government officials, but God, <clears throat> God says to us, it should be lived out by us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we started with this, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. The word trust means to have confidence. Did you guys notice that I walked in here today, and I walked right up on this stage? I didn't, I didn't do it with hesitation. I wasn't worried. I wasn't acting like somebody just built it yesterday. I didn't know if it would fall apart. So I walked in here with the idea that I knew that this would hold me up. I knew that I could have confidence. I knew that it's not going to shock, uh, shake or shift, or it's not going it, to let me fall. The idea is I have confidence in what I'm standing in. Do you realize that that's how God has called Christians to be? We have enough in the Bible to know the God, the character of our God. And God says, you should live your life with confidence of knowing who you serve. I face today, I face tomorrow, I face eternity, I face hell. Listen, I don't have to go into eternity facing hell or the fear of hell because I know that my Jesus died on the cross and he saved me from that. I'll ask you this, do you have confidence you'd go to heaven? Are you sure that God will save you and save you from hell? Then as much as you can trust in God for heaven and hell and saving you from one place to give you hope in heaven is as much as you can trust him for what's going to go on this week. Do you guys hear that? We sit there and say, I trust God with my soul and I trust God when it comes to the gates of hell. Then you can trust God for what happens on Tuesday. 
Because talk is cheap. Isn't it amazing how we can sing the songs and wave our hands and get all these? But the thing about it is, is trust is not just saying it. I, I, I'm going to tell you guys, if we can say on Sunday that we can trust in God, then we need to act on Tuesday that we can trust in God. Because it doesn't matter what we say, it's how we live. If I can trust in God, then my actions and my attitude and my response on Facebook should ought to reflect the fact that I trust in the name of the Lord my God. I appreciate the fact that we have a democracy. I appreciate the fact that we get to vote. I appreciate the fact that we have government leaders. But my confidence is not in Biden and it's not in Trump. That was really weak. That was really weak. My trust is in God and God alone. And a lot of us are sitting there shaking, going, yeah, but what could happen? You realize that God knows what could happen and God already has it figured out. See, God is in control. And so we've got to live like that. Let me give you an illustration because sometimes talking about you don't forget the full story or the full image of this. So Daniel chapter one, a lot of times when we're talking about Daniel, we automatically have it in our hearts and minds. We're thinking of Daniel in the lion's den. Well, God did a lot with Daniel before he even brought him to the lion's den. We begin in Daniel chapter one. So what was happening in that time is Judah was God's people. There was Judah and Israel, and those were the children of Israel, the children of God. They were God's people. And by the way, let me just say something. Even God's people were not living right all the time. You, you talk about their leadership and who they have. They had a lot of rotten leaders that were not leading and following according to what they should be doing at that time as well. And a lot of times, if you were to go back in the Bible from the Roman rule and all through the Old Testament, you know Christians and believers and followers of God were usually under people that did not follow God? We used to read the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Paul, and Silas, and all that thing. And I said, let me tell you, during their rule, they didn't have government officials standing there going, way to go, Christians. No, actually, they had, oh, by the way, there's a lion's den, so don't open your mouth. That's what they were facing. We we're like, I want to be like Daniel. Mm, yeah, you probably don't. <laughs> I'm just being honest. You don't want to be like Daniel. You don't want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the idea was that God was using them in a generation that the authority over them was not of God. So here comes the Babylonians going into Judah, pillage, take their possessions, actually stole the things out of their house of God. And on their way out, they were like, hey, take all the smart people and the people that we can use because they didn't have books and knowledge back then like we have today. So they would take people of resources that had knowledge that could teach them things. So they took all these people of scholar and education and things and they brought them into their country. That was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the names some of them that we read about in the book of Daniel. So the Bible tells us what's going on with them. It says in Daniel 1.1, it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with a part of the vessels in the house of God, and he which carried it into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. Along them being taken over, you have all these things happening on this, and this is really confusing. It's, you can imagine as they're grabbing them, and they're like, what is going on? I don't know. But you've got to understand, even in that transition, they knew in their heart and mind, God has a plan, and God makes no mistakes. I, I, I need you guys to get this, because of the fact is, when we read it in the Bible, we're so excited about it, but then when it happens in our life, we question God. Why is that? You realize the whole Bible is filled with stories of people 
It's not a doctrinal book. I mean, I mean, it is a doctrinal book, but it's not just a doctrinal book. It's not just a rule book. It's not just an instructional book. It's a storybook of people's lives. Storybook of people like you and me going through life that God could say, let me show you how they did it. Let me show you how they did it. Let me show you how they lived. Let me show you how he lived. The Bible says in verse 8, here's Daniel in a foreign land, pagan culture, no king that's following God, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now you say, okay, that's great. But listen, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the princess of the eunuchs. Daniel was in a bad situation. Daniel was in a bad place. He was in a place that he couldn't do and live the way that he wanted to. But here's the thing. Daniel didn't have a bad attitude. Not at all. It's actually quite different. They were actually making a difference. They were respected among these people. And they were loved. It's like, wait a minute. I thought our job is when things didn't go our way in our culture and society that we pitch a fit. Well, I understand about having righteous anger and standing up for what is right, but I'm saying sometimes we take it too far. You know, the Bible says, be angry and, oh, there's more to that verse. Oh, wait a minute. It says, be angry and sin not. Get worked up. Man, have righteous anger against the things that are wrong. Take a stand, but don't sin. Man, we allow it to go too far, and all of a sudden, we're more of the problem than we are the answer. Be angry and sin not. What made Daniel and these other men have such an impact? What made such a difference of these? What, 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 why did they have such an outstanding reputation and God used them in such a great way in such a pagan society? We can learn how to face tomorrow with confidence by studying these guys. Number one, here it is. If we're going to follow their example, we have to live like this world is not home. Uh, I, 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 we, we can sing the songs, you know, I'm just a pilgrim passing through and this world is not my home. And, and, and we sing these songs about the, but, but it's a mindset. It's in our heads. It's a biblical perspective. Philippians 3 talks about, I have a citizenship up in heaven. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ in foreign soil in a foreign land. We know who the God of this world, little g, when the Bible describes it, is Satan. He went up to Jesus and, and Matthew and talking about, I'll give you all these things. Tempting them with the, the, the pleasures of this world. That's why the Bible says, lay not for yourself treasures upon this earth where it rusts and it rots and it decays, but lay it up in heaven. The Bible is filled with this example for the fact that this is not home. Daniel went into it with this mindset that this is not home. In verse 9, it actually says, Now God brought Daniel into favor and tender mercy with these guys. He knew that God brought him from there into this spot. God brought Daniel into the situation for a purpose. Let, 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 an illustration that I think will, a lot of us will understand. How many of you guys have ever lived in a college dorm? Raise your hand right now. Raise it up high. Comment if you guys are watching online. I tell you, it is a weird, crazy environment to live in a college dorm. Now, mine was a Christian college dorm, but that didn't change the enormous smells and everything else that I experienced. It was different. We, we, we slept on a mattress that was like four inches, three, four inches thick. 
you know, they, they would be making noise when you needed to study. When you needed to study, it was the lights were out, all these different things. It was just crazy. You didn't have your, the, the, your, you had to fight for your own food, fight for your space, fight for study time and all this other stuff. It was just different. There was no privacy. I remember when me and Jenny were dating and we had phones that had cords on them. It was a long story. I'll tell you guys another time. But we had phones and it had cords on them and it had to be attached to something. And I remember sitting there trying to talk to Jenny while she was in the other dorms and her, where she was at and stuff like that. And I was trying to tell her how much I love her and they're making fun of me for it. It was just complicated being in college. And I remember going through that. One day it just, it just hit me thinking, hey, wait a minute. I've got a home in Alabama I've got my own bed. I can shut the door. I, I have my own space. And that college dorm was just temporary. I was there for a short length of time. I was just passing through there. You see, I wasn't getting all wrapped up in the discomfort of what I was dealing with because I knew it was just for a short length of time. And by the way, it was a short length of time that was for an important purpose. I was there for a purpose. But if I would have lived like this is forever, I would have been a very miserable person. It doesn't get better and I'll never be happy. But my mindset was I'm getting out of here. This is not forever. I'm just passing through. It's just something that I have to go through for now. You see, John made it very clear in the book of John 14 verse 1. And I, I read this passage at funerals all the time. And Jesus said uh, to the disciples, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. You can imagine Jesus in conversation. He says, do you believe in God? Believe also in me. He said, hey, hey, in my father's house are many mansions. And you're like, okay, you get to go there. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, listen to this next part. I will come again and do what? Receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you may be also. You see, the whole thing that Jesus was teaching them through that is, guys, this is temporary. I've given you the great commission. I've given you a job to do. You're just passing through. But this is not forever. We need to stop living and stop acting like this is forever. This is not forever. I am passing through. I've got a job to do. It doesn't matter what happens along this, uh, in this world. I know that the worst thing Satan can threaten me with is heaven. Because no, no matter what happens in this world, I still have that coming for me. Amen. And there's nothing that can change that. The world falls apart. The economy crashes. The world gets taken over by terrorists. It doesn't matter who's voted in on Tuesday. God is still on the throne and I still have a mission to accomplish. It's all true. Then my attitudes should reflect it. Their attitudes reflect it. For a reason, here's, here's the next thing. How to face tomorrow with confidence. Number two, know your purpose is to be the answer. Know your purpose. Now, here's what happens. You sit back and say, Pastor Tony, I thought Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. But let me tell you, while I'm going through here in this foreign land, and I'm a citizen of a kingdom of heaven, the Bible calls me not just a Christian, but according to the Bible in 2 Corinthians, it calls me an ambassador. It literally means while I'm going through this world, I am representing my home country. I represent the truth. I represent the king. I am a child of the king. I'm an ambassador of the king. So here I am. I've got I've to live that out. Notice what God did with Daniel. So here he is in this place under a king and ruler that he would never choose. And he's like, man, why am I here? God says, here's why. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled. 
was upset. Woke up going, man, this isn't where I have no idea. I, I, I have, I, I, this, this, this is not the way it should be. You understand we live in a world that has a lot of troubled people. And I'm not saying that to speak down. I'm just being honest. We live in a world with a lot of troubled people. Let me tell you, you are a troubled person if you don't live according to the Bible too. There's only one way that works. There's only one life that works. It's, it's through Jesus Christ. And, and his sleep break from him. I mean, he's disturbed. And the king commanded all the magicians and all the astrologers and all the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, which was God's men, for to show the kings his dream. So they came and stood before the king. So notice what happens in this. They didn't have the answer. They line up all the philosophers and all the representatives and all these people. They line up and they say, King, I have no idea what to tell you. It's a true thing in our world today that the world is looking for answers. Now, I mean, they might not walk down the street with a sign, I need answers. But I'm telling you, when it comes to morality, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to depression, when it comes to facing tomorrow... There's going to be a lot of people one way or the other. And I'm saying that on Tuesday, it doesn't matter who's elected on Tuesday. There's going to be a lot of people that are facing deep, dark depression. I'm serious. There's going to be a lot of people that are thinking, all hope is gone. The world is going to fall apart. I hate this. There's going to be crying and everything. And because of the fact is they're putting all their confidence in their future in a person. You say, what change is that for us? Just like we opened up. I trust in the name of the Lord my God. I have something greater that is greater than who's ever put into an office, whoever's elected, but they don't have that. But you've got to understand that God has put us in the midst of those people so that I can step into their life and be the answer. You are called by God not just to have the answer, but to give the answer to life's problems. That's why we're here. Thinking about this, man, just would drive us crazy. Verse 16, then Daniel went in, desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Daniel stood up with this, and it's it's amazing how God does this. Now, I'm going to tell you guys how this worked, because Daniel had enough respect to be heard. Daniel had respect to be heard. I wonder, in the way that we act about government officials and about getting our way and parties one side or the other, if we have enough respect to be heard. Let me tell you how our attitudes should be as Christians towards whoever is in authority. By the way, they they weren't just like not in favor of what they were doing. They were pagan gods that eventually throw them to the lions. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you know the rest of the story, was thrown into the fiery furnace. I'm not saying this was easy. They had extreme opposition can we just be honest? For the most part, we are so spoiled as Americans that we don't know opposition. We don't know opposition when it comes to this. Here's what Paul told Timothy about Christians' attitude towards authority. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. I know for right now, when you're thinking Tuesday, can we just put that in our back pocket till after this is over? Because I don't want to hear that now. I'm telling you Christians, okay, are we, do we have Christians here at all? Anybody here? Just, here's, here's the Bible. This is God speaking to us. 
You want to know my, our, our attitude or how our reflection of what should come out of our mouths, no matter what happens, should be like Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar. It should be us to whoever is in authority. He says, for this, for all men, and you go, okay, in verse 2, for kings and all that are in authority. He's owned it in on government officials. That ye may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You know why? Because there's a bigger mission, there's a bigger vision for our lives who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. See, my job is to be the answer. And a lot of times when I have a bad attitude and I'm complaining and grumbling and everything, the last thing they're going to want to do is like reach out to you to say, hey, my world is falling apart. I feel like I have nowhere to turn. And they get on your Facebook and go, yeah, I don't want that. Just being honest. I've wondered that. If, if people could find the answers to God, not just your opinion about politics on your Facebook, social media, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever you communicate with, I wonder if they could find Jesus. I wonder if they could find answers. No, don't get me wrong. You, man, you have freedom of speech. You should be standing for what you believe in. I'm not against that. But as much as they know what you're against, they should know what you're for. Do you guys get that? We should, they should know what we represent and who we're pointing to, not just what we're mad about and what we stand against. There's more to it than this. Can I just take this a little deeper than that? It's not just pray for them. Let, let me, Jesus starts speaking about who we're, who we're following and things like that. And he used the word enemy. So we're going to take it to an extreme level, okay? It's like, let me just say, Osaben bin, oh, oh, I can't even speak to him. If, if it's bin Laden and you're talking about somebody of that, you're talking about enemy that rises up against you. But I say unto you, Jesus speaking, love your enemies. Love is agape. Love is not even our friendship love of man's love. It is is literally God's love, which is sacrificial for God so loved the world as agape that he gave and was sacrificed on a cross for humanity. Bless them that curse you. We might want to go back and look at our Facebook pages after this. Just say Matthew 5.44 and my, oh oh, wow, that, that does not line up. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. The goal according to Timothy and what Jesus says in here is to bring them to a knowledge of the truth. And through my actions, my attitude and everything that I have that I am pointing to Jesus Christ. Now I know we struggle with this because of the fact is we almost think that that doesn't mean that we don't need to take a stand. Can I take you back to the beginning of Daniel when they were going in saying we want you to eat this meat and drink this wine and all this stuff that he was doing and he said I will not defile myself with that. He took a stand. Christians should take a stand. Stand on truth but speak the truth in love. And a lot of times it's like he's just gone soft. He doesn't want to stand on truth. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But I am saying sometimes we, we take one extreme over the other. We're so passive that we have no backbone or we have so much backbone that we, 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 we have no love. And, I'm just, and, and guys, for what we're reading, we're taking it straight from Scripture and evaluating ourselves because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us asking God, am I living this way? And if not, 
then I'm just trying to endure to get through life and I'm more worried about my bank account and who I'm voting for than I am about my purpose of being here. Because one day God's coming back. And the only thing that matters at that point was the people that I reached, the gospel that I preached, and the lives that I was able to affect as a result of living this out. First Peter tells us to be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. To stand for these things, to know what's coming. Let me close with this. How to face tomorrow with confidence. We need to live like this world is not our home. And we need to live with purpose, knowing we're the answer. But I love how Daniel brings this to a close, or it comes to this place that he stands before him. And that's responding, knowing that God is in control. Our response of whatever I face, whatever I come up against, whatever decisions are made, needs to reflect that I know that God is in control. And it's not, like I say, I think it's easy to sit there and say, do you think God's in control? Amen. Do you think God has this? Amen. But then when we, when our actions, it's like we throw that out after Sunday afternoon and we live so different during the week. It's not, this isn't just a Sunday morning, take out your Bibles and, and, and feel good and fuzzy for a minute because we're looking at scripture. It, it, God says we come to church, we hear the preaching of the word of God for reproof, rebuke, and exhorting. It's to change us, to live like this. So God gave him the interpretation in the verse 19 and was a secret revealed unto Daniel in night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Notice how he turned the conversation. When he was able to give the answer, this is what he does. Now let me show you how bold it is. You're saying we shouldn't be bold. No, we should absolutely be bold. Man, I'm going to fight for what's right. I'm going to fight against abortion. I'm going to fight for liberty. I'm going to fight for righteousness. We should be standing up for what is right. Thank you all four of you. That was great. Thank you so much. We should be standing on the word of God because righteousness exalts a nation. And sometimes we forget that, that it's not a political party that exalts a nation. It's the word of God and living out what's right that exalts a nation. That's where the power is. It says in verse 19, then the secret of the Lord was revealed. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And he stood back, and this is how he's going through. Is they go to him for answers. He's sitting there saying, let me point to you. Let me explain what this is. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of our God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. Everything that's happening outside right now, that wind blowing, the cold air coming through that door as we're all walking through, the leaves up in your yard right now, You look at that and say, wow, God's in control. Man, God does that. Man, do you realize the wind and the seas and the rain and everything that's happening? That's God. When you see nature transitioning, when you see every tree at one time begin to change colors, that's God. He just declared that. We all sit there and say, amen, our God's in control and our God rules the weather and our God rules more than the weather. He changes the times and the season and he removeth removeth kings and setteth up kings. Do you hear me? Who does it? Who does it? It is my God that is in control of what happens next. It is he that rises up kings and he that brings down kings. So you have to have an acknowledging your mind that my God is in control. So you know what the thing is? If God does something and I get mad at it and I'm pitching a fit about it, it's literally saying that God didn't do what I thought he should do. Because if God did it, then God knows what he's doing. 
And God has a plan for what he's doing. Did you guys hear that? If God did it, and God's in control, and God, according to this, he rises up and does all these other things because God has a plan, and God always had a plan. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, he in knowledge to them that know understanding, he revealeth the deep and the secret things. He knows what's in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Wisdom and power are his. God knows what he's doing, and he makes it happen. Wisdom and power, wisdom and power are his. I'm talking about my God. There was a thing that they used to do in the Old Testament. They would go into war rejoicing. It was so weird. They would go into war rejoicing, knowing, claiming the power of God from the very beginning. What they would do is there's a name of God, and we, we sing about it, and sometimes there's different songs about the Lord is my banner. Okay, it's, it's actually a name of God in, in the Bible. And, and what they would do is they would take the tradition of what they did in times like this, and, and they, they would live it out on the battlefield. So whoever their king was, they would write out the name of their king on a banner, and maybe it was one that waved it, or it was two that would lift it up and hold it, and they would go into war, and it would actually lead the charge of wherever they were going. So you can imagine after David had the reputation that he did of bringing down Goliath, and the Philistines knew who he was going, if you walked in and they were like, who's coming, who's invading us? Because they, they couldn't just send out emails to let them know they were coming, so it was a different day and age. So they, they would come and they would be representing their nation and they would be raising that banner that said, we serve King David. And so as they were flavoring, they would sit there and go, hey guys, that's David. Hey, 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 look alive. And some of them are like, I'm not fighting up against that because I know David. And my, my dad was part of that war that he fought. I'm not fighting in that war whatsoever. I know David. Because they were waving that banner. And the Bible talks about us. He says, I will rejoice in the salvation and the name of our God will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all the petition. See, what he was saying is in the Old Testament, they would go through there and he says, I'm going to tell you what banner I'm going to wave as I go into the future. I'm going to wave my banner with confidence and then the name of that banner is not going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I wave the banner of Jesus Christ. I serve Jesus Christ. I trust in Jesus Christ. If there's going to be a victory, if there's going to be wisdom, if there's going to be might, if there's going to be any hope for America, it's going to come through Jesus Christ. Now, I know that God can use a donkey, so God can use anybody on Tuesday. And God's already proven that. We sit there and get all worked up and everything. And I'm not saying that out of disrespect. I'm saying that out of illustration of the Bible. God can use whatever he wants to use. He can use a rock to bring down a giant. He can use a stick to part the sea. He can use somebody that can't even stutter and speak like I've illustrated today. God can use anything that he wants. But over and over again, God uses this illustration. He said in verse 7, he said, some trust in chariots. Some are worried about social security. And some trust in governments. And some trust in elections. But I'll tell you who I'm going to trust in. I will remember the name of the Lord my God. I'm telling you that I'm going to keep on my name, not just Jesus, but I'm going to remember the name of the Lord my God. Can I tell you about the name of the Lord my God? Do you know why it says that? Because every bit of it brings confidence that I can trust in God, whatever is going to come. God said, I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm the Alpha and Omega. Do you know what that means? God said, I was at the beginning when there was nothing. I was at the beginning when it was just darkness. 
He said, I am going to be the end. I have the last say so. I declare good and right and righteousness. I raise up. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the almighty God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that supplies. He is my Abba Father. I can cry to my God and he cares about my pain. I can cast my cares upon him. You know why? Because he cares about me. He goes before me. He stands with me. He stands behind me. He already knows what's there. He is the manna that drops in my life. He is my provision that is greater than any stimulus check. My God shows up every day of my life. And he already knows what's going to happen. And I cast my care upon God. And I need to live like that because I can promise you this. On November 3rd and January 20th and every other date that we get freaked out about, I can tell you that in God I can still trust. I trust, I trust in the name of the Lord my God. So this week, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to, it's not a Republican or Democrat flag, it's not a Trump flag or a Biden flag, I'm going to fly the flag of Jesus Christ. Because whatever happens and comes my way, I know that he has a plan for it and whoo, I get to be part of that plan. I get to be part of it. I want to be the Daniel that stands there and says, you know what? I don't agree with my king or whoever it is, but maybe I'll have an opportunity to stand before them and point to my God. Because they're going to wake up distressed and broken. They're not going to know where to turn. They're going to be the next Nebuchadnezzar saying, I feel like everything's falling apart. And I turn to everybody and nobody has the answer. And I can rise up and say, the reason why I'm here because I've already met the one that has all the answers. Be the answer this week. Wave the flag of hope. Be ready to give an answer to every man that asks you the hope that lies within you. Be the Daniel. Be the answer. But don't get me wrong. Go vote. Do your, do, do your duty as Americans. Stand up for what is right. Christians, stand up for what is right. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing out there and everybody was bowing down to every golden image and everything that was going up and they stood there strong. You know what they were proving? It doesn't matter who bows. It matters who stands. Stand for what is right. We have our word of God and we go to church and we listen online every single week. We don't just do it to fill time. We do it because God commands us because it leads us down the path of righteousness. I want to do right. So let's pray, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to brag on our God. And we're not walking out of here defeated. We're not walking out of here with our heads drooped down. We're walking out of here as the children of God representing the King of Kings. He is the King of my heart, and He's never let me down. He will never let us down. 